Now, I'm going to be reading tonight from uh, the message. Now, I don't know if you've ever read the message. Message isn't great for me to study by, but I love to read it to be able to gain today's perspective. Um, if, you, if you read your Bible, more than likely you read the King James or the New King James or maybe the NIV. I read the New Living um, I personally am, I'm going to take an excerpt tonight from Exodus chapter 14 from the Living Bible. And it is the hardest thing for me to find online so that I can copy and paste. I hate to type. I like to copy and paste. Um, but I like the Living Bible. I like different, um, I like people to speak my language rather than it go over my head sometimes. So this is the message. It's going to sound a little bit different. I'm going to have a lot of scripture tonight. I hope I can get done. I'm going I'm to start going quickly now. Second, or Colossians chapter 2, we've just gone through Colossians chapter 1 talking about walking worthy, talking about walking with God. We've just gone through the Sermon on the Mount. We've gotten our instructions. It's time to start building. Now we've got to start walking, right? I've been talking for a month on, for y'all on Wednesday nights about walking, right? Are you walking? That's where you say yes or no. Yes. I want you to realize that I continue to work as hard as I know how for you and also for the Christians over in Laodicea. Not many of you have met me face to face, but that doesn't make any difference. Know that I'm on your side, right alongside you. You are not in this alone. I met with a young woman today um, from um, White Plains Academy that was just in need. She comes from a family where we helped her sister four or five years ago. And here she is now still in the same household having just um, incredible needs. And I finally just told her, I said, look, I don't know you. I just met you today. And it's really not even that important that I meet you. My sister was bringing her over to me. She's a counselor at White Plains Academy. And uh, I said, Suzanne, I don't need to meet her. It's okay. You know, we're going to bless her. We wanna, we, this is what the church is here for. This person right here. Even though we're not an adopter of White Plains, there's a child in need. Our church is connected to her. She calls me and says, can you help? The church says, yes, we can. She doesn't come to church here. I'm not worried about her coming to church here. I'm just worried about her having clothes. Word tells me if I put clothes on her, it's the same as me putting clothes on Jesus. Church, church on the hill just put clothes on Jesus today. So she comes in and she's just being sweet and we're talking. And I finally just said, look, you don't know me and I don't know you. And we don't, we're probably not going to have some big relationship. But I do want you to know that we're praying for you and somebody is in your corner. Whether I ever see you again or not, we're praying for you. You know, so we spend $100 at Old Navy for clothes and underwear and stuff for you. So what? We're praying for you. And we're in support of you. And you're going to make it. You know, this, this Paul is saying, some of you haven't even met me. And he's saying, it doesn't matter. Paul is saying, I'm not, I'm not the big deal. This message I have is the big deal. Can you get the message? You're not in this alone. I want to encourage you. Stay on track. One of Elijah's lowest points, Elijah, that did miracle after miracle after miracle. I love reading about him. I want to be in the, in the river and have an axe head fall off and me be able to, to do some whatever and it float. I want to do what he did. When I have a disaster, as little as that may be, but it was a big deal to him. When I have a problem at home and I need the Lord to move, I want to be able to call on the Lord and the Lord move right there in front of me. I love reading Elijah. And it tells us that Elijah was a man just like me, just like you, no different. 
And here's Elijah. He's just seen miracle after miracle. He's just seen the prophets of Baal, fire come down and consume them. And what does he do? Jezebel comes out and he runs off, goes hide under the tree and says, Lord, I'm the only one left. When we feel alone, it is Satan's way of separating us, making us feel like nobody cares, and it is a dangerous place. That's what this is saying. You're not alone. What you're walking through, and I know many of you are walking through so much, you're not alone. We are right here beside you. And whether you know it or not, we as a church are praying for you. And there is a God in heaven that is thinking about you. Knows what's coming. Knows what's come. Knows what tomorrow looks like. And he has it all under control. You're not in this alone. Verse 2. This is verse 2 through 4. I want you woven into a tapestry of love in touch with everything there is to know about God. Then you will have minds confident and, and at rest, focused on Christ, God's great mer- mystery. All the richest, richest treasures of wisdom and knowledge are embedded in that mystery and nowhere else. And we've been shown this mystery. I'm telling you this because I don't want anyone leading you off some wild, on some wild goose chase after some so-called mysteries or the secret. Now, Let's go back real quick. Now, there's no way I'm going to get done. This is so good. I, I, I've, I've just fallen in love with the scripture. When we are woven together in love, in touch with everything there is to know about God. Now, that, that only goes so far because we cannot know God. We, I mean, we're going we're gonna to get to know God. But God is here, and I can't hold down low enough to show you where we are. God's infinite all-knowing, we're not. We're, we're finite. So, but he's saying we're growing to know God. We're pursuing after God. And when we do that, when our heart really starts to change and we start to love, and I start to be able to love somebody that I never could have loved on my own, never And that person starts to love me that never could have loved me. I was unlovable. But through Christ, I'm lovable. You know what happens? Our minds align. Our minds, minds get confident and at rest. If you're not, if you don't have self-confidence... If you live a life absent of rest, you are missing this part. The key to a confident mind and a man and woman at rest, at peace, is someone that is pursuing and getting to know God. Because you're getting to know what God thinks of you. And you're getting to know that when you hit a wall, that the Lord is there and he can bust right through that wall. Or he can show you how to get around it. Or he can show you how to get over it. Or he can show you, I didn't want you going that way to begin with. Turn back around this way. And you think, oh, that was a good move. That wasn't failure. That was success. Me turning. 
again, we see here going on some wild goose chase. You know what happens so many times, especially with spiritual, religious church things, is our brain gets in the way. I see it so much that our head gets in the way from being able to accept what Christ is trying to do in your life. And you miss it. And I miss it. Our heads get in the way. It is Satan's way of us talking ourselves out of it. We can outthink God sometimes, and people can take us down the wrong track intellectually. But when we are in touch with Christ, with His Word and His Spirit, our mind will be confident and at rest. That's good for somebody. I'm a long way off, true, and you may never lay eyes on me, but believe me, I am on your side right beside you. I am delighted to hear of the careful and orderly ways you conduct your affairs and impressed with the solid substance of your faith in Christ. There are a few here that I have walked with over the last few weeks, over the last three months, that have been through trial after trial after trial, and you have hung in there. You haven't gotten your breakthrough yet. Some of you have, but you are hanging in with everything you've got. And I want you to know I am so proud of you. Hang in there. We knock until the door comes open. We ask until we get the answer. Because God wants to give you that answer. But sometimes we have to knock more than we think we should. Do you remember the, the master that had gotten sick and the Lord had told him, go wash in the, in the river? And the master said, why would he have me go wash in that river? I don't want to go wash in that river. And his servant said, well, if he's told you to do something simple, or if he told you to do this and that, wouldn't you do that? Then why won't you go wash in the river? Why won't you go do that? Our head gets in the way. We think it has to be done a certain way, but the Lord says, no, just go this way. It's going to take a little bit of trust. It's going to take a little bit of faith. And what did that master do? He went and washed seven times. And on the seventh time, he was cleansed. Verse 6. My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Go ahead with what you've been given. You've received Christ Jesus, the master. Now, live him. Everybody say, live him. Live him. You're deeply rooted in him. You're well constructed upon him. You know your way around the faith. Now do, everybody say do, what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. And let your living spill over into thanksgiving. Can you imagine a doctor that, that has his degree, that has passed all his boards, has done everything right, gone through all of his uh, whatever prerequisites that they've got to go through, but decided, nah, I'm not going to go get my job now. I'm going to just study a little bit more. No, you've got everything you need. Go to work. Start paying off all that debt. Start, start going. No, I'm going to study just a little bit more. I don't. This is saying... School's out. You've got it. 
The Holy Spirit is in you. You've got the Word in you. You're on fire. You're full of faith. Now, put the books down and get out there in the game. And let your living spill over into thanksgiving. Did I get to that part? Let your living spill over into thanksgiving. Go ahead with what you have. I think I told y'all Sunday morning, what you have is enough. If you have received Christ genuinely, if you have genuinely received Christ, meaning you have confessed with your mouth and believe in your heart, you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead. What does that mean? That means you are now living differently because you really believe it. You can say it. We can sing the songs. But no, those that are saved are those that have really, that are really transforming. Not the game players. Don't be a game player. I mean, we want to play the game, but don't, don't play games. Am I making any sense? Amen. Go. Go. You've got enough. Go out there and try something with that lost person that you're with. You know what? You may say, Pastor, it's going to be so awkward. Why don't you come to church with me? Don't do that. I mean, or do that. That's okay if that's the way the Lord leads you. Give them your testimony. Tell them something real that's happened in your life. Give them something substantial. Maybe they're going through something and you've been through something. They're going through something without Christ. You've been through something with Christ. There's a difference. And they will see it. They may not respond as you would wish. That's okay. Their response is not your problem. You fulfilled your obligation. Now their response is on God. The results are on God, not on you. Your role is obedience. His role is the Savior. You're not the Savior. It ought to take a lot of pressure off. I just got to obey. We're not going to say, well, if you don't receive Christ, that's okay. I've done my part. You go ahead. I'm good. No, we want this person to receive Christ. We want them to change. We want to be a part of their life, of them coming to Christ. But at the same time, if they don't move right away, that's okay. The Lord will help build those blocks. It will help build that, build that case. And eventually, they'll cave. Why are you here? How did you receive Christ? Somebody loved you. Somebody loved you enough to pull you out of hell. So this is saying school's out. Quit studying. (laughs) I wish my kids were in here. I bet they I bet they would write this on the refrigerator. Can I give you a scripture? I'll just close with this one. Exodus chapter 14, this just really stuck out to me. And this is going to be strange. You're going to be wondering, what is he doing? Exodus 14. Now, this is the story of the children of Israel being delivered from Egypt, from slavery, from bondage, from years and years of bondage. And, you know, we've just seen the Ten plagues, we've seen Pharaoh say no, God hardened his heart. Pharaoh kept saying no, we saw, the, we saw the flies, we saw the hail, we saw 
we saw all these things, um, the water turned to blood. Finally, Pharaoh let them go. And here they are moving this big, millions of people moving away from Egypt. And they get to the water and they're stuck. And all of a sudden they turn. Moses, what have you done? You've brought us out here so that we could be buried out here because there's not enough graves in Egypt. We've just been delivered. We're right in the middle of deliverance. And now we're going to turn on everybody. Have you ever been there? I've been there personally. I've turned and I've been there leading someone where they turn on me. I've been on both sides of the fence here. Neither one of them is fun. 14, verse 1, Jehovah now instructed Moses, tell the people to turn toward Fahiroth between Migdal and the sea opposite Baal Zephon and to camp there along the shore for Pharaoh will think the Israelites are trapped now between the desert and the sea. No, that's what the, that's what the Israelites thought. <laughs> yeah, Pharaoh's going to think it too. Verse 4, And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after you. Now, I don't know if Moses would go ahead and tell the people that part. I don't know. He said to tell the people that Pharaoh's going to chase after you. Not only am I going to deliver you, but I'm going to wipe them out at the same time. Not only am I going to deliver you from what you're going through, I'm going to wipe it out so it's not coming back. I've planned this to gain great honor and glory over Pharaoh and all his armies, and the Egyptians shall know I am the Lord. So they camped where they were told. Verse 5. When the word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelis were not planning to return to Egypt after three days, but kept on going, Pharaoh and his staff became bold again. What is this we have done, letting all these slaves get away, they asked. So Pharaoh led the chase in his chariot, followed by the pick of the Egypt's chariot's corps, um, 600 chariots in all, and other chariots driven by Egyptian officers. He pursued the people of Israel, for they had taken much of the wealth of Egypt with them. Not only did they get delivered, not only is God going to wipe them out, but the Israelis have taken everything from them too. God's good. He's not leaving them empty-handed. Verse 9, Pharaoh's entire cavalry, horses, chariots, charioteers were in the chase. The Egyptians' army took, overtook the people of Israel. They were camped beside the shore near Pirahirath, across from Baal Zephon. Verse 10, as the Egyptian army approached, the people of Israel saw them in a far distance. Speeding after them, they were terribly frightened and cried out to the Lord to help them. And they turned against Moses saying, have you brought us out here to die in the desert because there were not a gra- enough graves for us in Egypt? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Why did you make us leave bondage and getting beat and hell? Why'd you make us leave there? Have have you ever been there? I have. Verse 12. Isn't this what we told you while we were slaves to leave us alone? We said it would be better to be slaves to the Egyptians than dead in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand where you are and watch, and you will see the wonderful way the Lord will rescue you today. He's basically saying, just shut up and watch. Just be quiet. The Egyptians you are looking at, you will never see them again. 
Verse 14. The Lord will fight for you, and you won't need to lift a finger. (laughs) Then the Lord said to Moses, here it is. Quit praying and get the people moving. Forward march. There is a time to pray, and there is a time to march. I love that. Quit praying. (laughs) To my intercessors, they never liked that word. But there comes a time to get walking. I want to encourage you. That time is now. Get up and walk. You are equipped for success. You are equipped for breakthrough. But you are not going to get that breakthrough until you start walking. God cannot lead your steps until you start taking steps. If you stand still, the Lord cannot lead your steps. You have to step. You have to walk out your job. You have to walk out your marriage. You have to walk out your raising your kids. You have to walk out your finances. You have to walk out your walk with the Lord. If you don't move, you are not going anywhere. You've got to move. Use your rod. Hold it over the water and the sea will open up a path before you and all the people of Israel shall walk through on dry ground. What did God use? He used what was in Moses' hand. He did not say, you have to go over here and get a PhD. You've got to go over here and you've got to build whatever. You've got to go over here and you've got to have all these materials. You've got to have all this. Nope. He said, what have you got in your hand? Use that. I can use what you have. This lie of you've got to have something else is what's holding you back. Go with what you've got. Quit praying. Why is he saying quit praying? Because they've prayed and God's answered. Why are you praying to me for things that I have done and am doing right in front of you? Quit praying and walk through the water. Stand up. You are facing some big decisions this week. You're facing some big challenges. Now I'm going to kind of go back on what I've said tonight and take some time to fast and pray. Tonight, give your heart to the Lord. Ask for wisdom. Talk to your spouse. Um, Everybody look up here at me just for a second. Y'all may have already had your heads bowed. I had a, uh, um, a wife once come and talk to me just to get counsel. And I, I, Michelle was with me. It wasn't an inappropriate thing where it was just me and her. Um, but she's like, I'm just not hearing God. I'm just not hearing God. And I told her, I said, no, well, you're praying. You're asking for wisdom. She said, yes, I am. I said, okay, go ask your husband. God has placed women, God has placed your husband there for answers for you. And husbands, God has placed your wives there to help you, to give you answers. 
Now, God can speak in a marriage. God can speak through a husband and a wife. And what I told her was, go, talk, go ask your husband. And she just deflated right in front of me. Not, not because he was a bad man, not because he was not smart. He was very smart, and he had the right answer. But so many times we have the answer right in front of us, and we don't listen to it. You've got people that, ha- that have spiritual authority. You've got people that have worldly authority. God has placed those authorities in place for you to protect you, to give you wisdom. Many times the Lord will speak right through his Holy Spirit to your heart. He does to me sometimes. Other times he speaks through my father or through my mother or through my wife. God has spoken to me so many times through my wife. We're not even talking about authority here. We're talking about how to hear God's voice. Get with your spouse, husbands, and pray and listen to what they say. Wives, get with your spouses and ask your husbands to pray together with you and ask for wisdom and listen to what they say. Two are better than one. So that when one falls, there's someone there to pick them up. And a three-stranded cord cannot easily be broken. The way that works is the husband, the wife, we'll do this, the husband, the wife, and Christ. That can't be broken. So many of you are needing breakthrough. Trying to give you some, some, some wisdom. And a lot of times the one person I don't want it to come from is my wife. And she's smart. She's smarter than me. <laughs> and she hears the Holy Spirit and she loves me. And she loves righteousness. I've got a great wife. And she will not sugarcoat it. She will say it just how it is. (laughs) But as a man, hurts my feelings sometimes. God, give that to me. Don't give it to her. Give it to me. Let me tell her what it should be. And wives, it's the same way. The Lord's speaking to you. The Lord's going to speak to you. You need answers tonight. You need answers tomorrow. Get with your spouse and pray. Get with your pastor. Get with your Sunday school leader. Get with those that are spiritually have some authority with you, that you have allowed to speak into your heart that you can trust, that knows the word, that has the Holy Spirit. Listen to your boss. Listen to those that have been placed in authority because they're going to, a lot of times the answer, that is a kingdom setup. And the right answers will come that way. Now, some people have got horrible bosses, and I'm not, I'm, we're not going into that. But you need to hear God. How many here needs to hear the Lord? I need to hear the Lord so bad. I just encourage you to humble yourself and listen. Father, in Jesus' name, help us to walk. Help us to walk. Help us to march. Help us to see that you are with us and that we can walk out of here in victory. That our marriage can turn around tonight. That our children can turn around tonight. That our finances can turn around tonight. That our jobs, that our depression that our rejection, that our health, 
Those of you that are battling health, I want you to know your health can turn around tonight. Because we come under the Lord, our doctor. We come under the blood of Jesus. And there is nothing that stands in front of him that he, that he is not in full control of. Father, I just ask, just as Miss Haven said, give us our joy back. Give us our giggle back. True joy and peace. Thank you, Lord. Give us breakthrough, Lord. Let us learn to love each other. Let me learn to love each other, Lord. Love, love, love those that I don't, I don't want to love. And give my mind confidence and give me rest. Give this church body confidence in their mind and rest. Thank you, Lord. Bless us, Lord. We just ask for a great Saturday night, Lord, that our kids would be safe, that the chili would be great, that we would just have a great time of fellowship, and, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just be poured out upon us. And that, Father, that the, that the lost would just show up over here, that, Lord, that the homeless would show up over here and get a, get a bowl of chili, Lord, that the hurting would show up over here, and that we would see it and we would pray and we would love on them. And that, that those that need a jacket would get a jacket. Those that need something, would, would they would have that need met. I ask for a miracle Saturday night. Lord, over this church, we just ask you to bless us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You guys have a great rest of the week. We'll see you Saturday night, 4 to 8.